everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 489 being recorded on the last day of February, February 28th, 2018. I'm Ryan Trout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malvantano. And it's the last day of February. That means we are one-sixth of the way through 2018. Ooh, Already. Right? One-sixth of the way. I still get an extra two or three days to send in my rent check, though, right? Yeah, I think so. Because I totally forgot to do that today. Yeah. Uh, Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think most people will just assume tomorrow's the 29th out of habit, so you're probably fine. Ken wants 77 days in February. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be nice. (laughs) So he doesn't have to pay his rent. (laughs) Don't we all? I mean, eventually, you still got to pay it, even if there's only 77 days. I guess. It just puts it off for a while, you know? Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, we talk about computer hardware and some other stuff. Wednesday nights, we record the show live, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Did that backwards than I normally did. Had to think about it a little bit longer. Uh, at pcper.com slash live. That's the URL. You can find our streams um, and a chat as well if you want to hang out. We've got a lot of guys and uh, gals talking in here about hardware, making fun of us, and our discussion before the show about lawn care. So this is the riveting stuff that you miss out on. If you're not a part of that group, if you want a little reminder about the live stream, maybe you get busy on Wednesday evenings and you want a little email notification like, hey, dummy, I won't call you dummy. Hey, person X, you <laughs> person uh, should X. come. So much better than dummy. <laughs> I don't, viewership. We don't, even, we don't even include your name in it's, the email. It's like if we, Professor X didn't go to school. Right, right. It's just person <laughs> X. Exactly. Uh, if you go to pcpro.com slash subscribe, you get a virus and threat protection warning, but you also get this page here uh, that asks for your name, your email address, and that's it. And we send you an email notification a little bit before we do our uh, video thing. I like, how, I like how it was a warning that popped up on you. It told you there's nothing wrong. Yeah, I do appreciate that. <laughs> oh, my God. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Continue on with what you were doing. I hope it wasn't important. I hope you weren't capturing your screen while this was occurring. Yeah, you know? yeah. Right, guys? Uh, we do have our Patreon campaign continuing to run. That is at patreon.com slash PCPer. This is your opportunity. If you want to, to directly contribute to us on a monthly basis, it could be anywhere from a dollar to three to five to 10 to 20 to 50. Uh, and it basically your way to directly contribute to us, the content we create, whether it be the videos, the stories, the, uh, uh, the mailbag that we do, that type of stuff. And, um, Yeah. That we greatly appreciate everybody that does that. It's super awesome that there's anybody that would be willing to pay us directly for the stuff that we do. And um, that's awesome. As is always the case, if you become, if you sign up to be a new patron during the show and or increase your patronage, I will give you a shout out during the show. As I'm going to do right now, as a new pledge for $3.99 just came in from. Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, so thank you, Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho for a three ninety nine pledge. Greatly appreciated. Uh, and you too can have your name called out just like that throughout the show. So there you go. Uh, also, this is the first time we'll be proud uh, to announce that after many requests over many months, uh, Ken decided to actually go do the thing that people have asking for. You guys have asked for T-shirts. So, ta-da, we have T-shirts. It is at Teespring. Right? We, we need to create a shorter URL for this or something else. But it's teespring.com slash stores slash PC per. We'll make a short URL later and a link on the website and stuff. But that gets you this page. You see it? <laughs> nope. 
You got nothing? Uh, nope. There, oh, 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 oh. Why does it not oh. want to show this page? There it there is. It goes. Hey, uh, where you can buy the classic PC Perspective logo on your chest t-shirt. You can buy the t-shirts from QuakeCon 2011. 11? 11. Uh, that gives or you, an you can idea buy of, a like, mug. That gives you an idea how long people have been asking for these shirts because they've been asking basically right after that QuakeCon. Because that's when we started wearing them. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, these range from, what, 20 to $30? Is that right, Ken? Depending on the quality, the type of T-shirt you get. Yeah. You can choose different colors, I believe, right? At least on a couple of them. Is that is that the yeah, case? I think on all but... Looking one, now, now the chat wants Darth Malventano on okay, it. Okay, well, you, w- look, guys, one step at a time. Do we have that? Buy artwork? these shirts, figure out if you like them. I take design submissions. We, yeah, we'll take design way. submissions. Uh, this one, if you want the classic Death Wish Raid shirt, you can do that. It's got the PC Perspective logo on the back with our URL as well as a little touch. No sponsor logos on these, though, so keep that in mind. If you want Josh's favorite hot dog down a hallway that one is also available with you the... Yeah, we haven't been moving a whole lot of this. Haven't Weird. been selling a lot of hot dogs well, down a hallway. We've got Super hmm. Pipe for, got, for people who remember that discussion. And Would we call it a meme now? It was a very localized meme. Sure, why not? Uh, but yeah, we have I, the Super Pipe. I'm pretty Super proud of Pipe. my copy on these pages. The descriptions are pretty good if you haven't read oh, them. I did, okay, I did not. Super Pipe. If you yearn for a simpler time when PC components were plentiful and cheap, ask your doctor about Super Pipe. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> That's good. I'm going to read this one. I can't think of an, an earthly reason why you'd want this T-shirt, but we aim to give the people what they want. Also good. And then Sweet Sweet Lemonade says, uh, on second thought, maybe you don't want to know where the lemonade is made. Sweet Lemonade. Oh, Sweet Lemonade. And we should, might have to watch it. And i got to read this one. If you're running Raid without parody, stay far, far away from Ryan. Also true. So Sound advice. Again, that is teespring.com slash stores slash PC per, and we'll have a better URL for that uh, going forward. And if you do have design submissions, uh, send them over to us. The chat's asking, what is the circle thing in the PC Perspective logo supposed to be? The circle thing? The, the design feature? I don't know. You mean like the white circle? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's a callback to the original PC Perspective logo. Uh, which I believe we can see if we go here. See, oh, you had a there. little orbiting. Oh, oh, whoa! Oh, too much of a geez. zoom. Too much of a zoom. Oh, it did the. It did the it, oh, where did it go? The, um, where did it go? It did the thing to you. Whatever that. This is stupid. Adaptive web. Yeah, yeah you can kind of see it there. there. It is. So it's kind of like an orbiting. There's like a. There's a. Bo- Gosh, darn it. <laughs> There's an orbiting ball that is the dot of the eye, and that swoosh so, around it. So, 2000. Man, I made that logo. Yeah, I did. I made Ryan's that logo. baby. Uh, and so that was kind of duplicated over here, uh, but we went with uh, more of a radar insignia. It's 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 a it's a Wi-Fi hotspot. Oh, is that what? But only two bars of strength. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, so those are available. Uh, thank you for everybody who has ordered them and uh, continue to do so. And like I said, we'll we'll take more submissions. Ken, did you order a coffee mug yet? I haven't. We need to order a coffee mug. I want to see what it looks like. I don't drink coffee, but I'll you put can beer other in things it. out of a coffee mug. As it turns I'll, I'll out, put beer in it. Uh, and we mentioned it before. We do have another mailbag episode up, number thirty-two. This is. Again, capable and possible because of the uh, direct contributions of our uh, Patreon 
supporters. And you can see there, it's just basically a weekly Q&A. You can submit questions on that YouTube post. You can submit them on our PCPer.com post. I have done most of them. We've also had Alan sub in. We've also had Josh sub in. Is that it? It's the only, I think the only so. differences. Okay, you so. haven't done any or anything yet, right? Have you? God, no. <laughs> Fair enough. So there you go. There's our mailbag. Check that out if you can. Let's get into the content. Finally, we're going to talk to Ken about the TechQ Rapide Thank you. SSD. I assume it's just TechQ. As far as I know. Rapid. I don't think it's Tech. Rap- Rapid. Rapid. Yeah, they put an E at Rapid, the Rapid, I think. Yeah. Rapid. Yeah. 480 gig Thunderbolt 3 SSD. Ta-da! That's what it looks like. Yeah. What do we got, Ken? So I don't think you were in the uh, hotel room at the time, but in Las Vegas <laughs> CES, yeah. Alan, Sebastian, and I had a very passionate conversation about why have we not seen any fast Thunderbolt 3 SSDs? Seems a legitimate simple. question. Thunderbolt 3 is a bridge to PCI Express. You put a PCI Express M.2 by 4 Yep, SSD in there. They, they got a great product. Yeah, yeah, As yeah. It sure. Turns out someone heard us and they made this. They heard so, us through the walls of the hotel. Yes. <laughs> so essentially, this is a M.2 SSD with a Thunderbolt three bridge behind it. Uh, it's, it's approximately it's, the size of my business card. It's really compact. It's I'd say smaller than a deck of playing cards to use that tired analogy, but you can easily fit it and the half meter Thunderbolt cable it comes with in your pocket. And yeah. just like a standard pair of jeans, which is nice. And Did it's you just say fast. meters? What's that yeah. in real units? I don't know. It doesn't Less. work out cleanly is why I said it. Oh, okay. Carry on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, it's like 2.7 gigs read, 2.2 write. Yeah. Which is about what you can expect out of a buy four interface these days. That's a good number to see. Yeah. 937 megabytes per second of file copy. Actually, was on the other side of that. Uh, That was... Over here? Higher. uh, Samsung NVMe drive in a laptop. Okay. I'm just wondering, like, maybe the other end. the bottleneck? The other end. We've been getting close to the read off, like, a PM961. Okay. But not quite. I mean, that's... We also hooked it up to Jim's stupid iMac because they (laughs) touted Mac compatibility. So, there you go. So it does work on a Mac. They use yeah. the one Mac benchmark. It's got a, it's got a piece. It comes with a pack of chewing, or a piece of chewing gum like baseball cards. Good <laughs> to know. You. Good to know. We took it apart like we do everything, and it's actually good. They're using the aluminum case as a heatsink, which you can't take for granted these days. We've seen some add-in cards that are PCI Express risers with heatsinks on top of them, and they're not actually using the heatsink to sure. wick away any heat. Thunderbolt three controllers get really hot, so mm. being able to use the aluminum case makes gives them the ability to make it super tiny and also heat efficient. I'm glad to know this PCB was okay. Uh, upside down, though. Pretty so. okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're using a Fizon E7-based SSD in there. It kind of looks like just a reference design straight from Fizon. They aren't doing anything real special with it. It is 4K aligned, though, which Alan might have. It's 4K sectors. Yeah, 4K sectors. Sorry. Yeah. What's that mean? Uh, it presents to the host... As if its sector size is four kilobytes, not five hundred and twelve bytes. Okay, which is fine. What if you're is the on, implication? Uh, if you do, if your OS is doing writes smaller than four K to it, it will have to do a little bit more juggling around of information. Okay, right. Um, 
that doesn't happen very often. It's only like file table updates and stuff like that. It's not mm-hmm. it's not like you're flooding your SSDs with smaller than 4K random activity. But just, you know, something to be aware of. Uh, just have to make sure that you're on a modern OS. Like if you go all the way back to, I think it was XP that... So not Linux. It, no, Linux would be fine. You know, you know. Linux Sorry. was fine way earlier than... Uh, <laughs> Windows XP was. XP did the weird... Fine, fine. It was a joke. So, yeah, so you can't run Windows 3.11 on, is what you're saying. Well, sure. You know, like, use your Thunderbolt 3 controller on Windows 3.1. XP, was supposed, to be, XP was supposed to be compatible with 4K sectors. Uh, I tried making a raid one time with that, and as soon as you rolled past the 2 terabyte mark, it rolled over and overwrote... <laughs> it just started writing over... It just oh, overwrote yeah. the master file table... Uh, it was really wonderful experience to have your entire uh, file system just evaporate out from underneath you. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't do that anymore. But just don't use this on Windows XP. How about that? Check. Fair. It's just kind of an oddity we know some testing. I think the reason they did it is because Mac OS will only boot from a 4K drive with 4K sectors. That makes sense. And they wanted uh, bootable compatibility on Mac OS. Mm. So, okay. a little quirk, oh. you know. Shouldn't be an issue. It does come with the Thunderbolt cable? Yes, it does. Right. I like it. I like it already. So how much is it? Uh, I don't dollars. remember. You're going to scroll down. $450. $383. $383. So it is a... Uh, uh, it's currently an Indiegogo. Indiegogo. Okay. I was going to say Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, Which we don't cover a lot of, but I have pretty... Like high hopes for the campaign, considering they sent us a unit that was that was like polished. functioning and working, yeah. and it wasn't. And like, they sent them out to other reviewers. You know, like this render. is the only one on Earth that exists. They a had retail boxes and everything. <laughs> yeah, looks like this it. company's been around doing some other stuff for a while, and this yeah. is kind of their first foray into this. It looks like uh, it's just ready to go. Yeah, like just very cool. Has there been any talk from them about making just the adapter in the case? They. They haven't said either way. I don't think they're interested in that because there's just not a lot of. Yeah, they just want to sell that complete It's kind of a product. race to the bottom. I really mm-hmm. wish they would. I'll say that. We did put another SSD in it and it works. So there's no sort of lockout. We did have some weird the, issues. I think it might have been due to throttling because we didn't put it back all back together all the way. Yeah, we just kind of the performance the SSD in there to make sure. Performance it, didn't look the best on a different sure product. Booted. But uh, I think. I saw some other people put SS, like Samsung SSDs in it and got full performance out of it. So okay. you would have an upgrade path if you bought this to put another NVMe drive in there. And yeah, I mean, you could probably throw you like a you know, two terabyte 960 Pro in there. Yeah. If you want more capacity. As drives get cheaper, you could throw one in there. All right, that's the TechQ Rapid 480 gig Thunderbolt SSD. They do, they're selling a 960 as well, right? Yeah, it's uh, 240, 480, 960, I believe. Uh, a couple of new patrons coming in between stories. Dummy just pledged five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. I don't. I don't know if he's trying to say something about what you have hey, to do in order to, to pledge to our Patreon. But put, no, we should put him on the mailing list. Dummy. Hey, dummy. Hey, dummy. Yeah. We're about to stream. Uh, and then also message. Exactly. Just for dummy though. Douglas Manor the second just pledged three dollars. Thank you, Doug, for that. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Um, now we're going to talk about a little bit more about the Ryzen 5 2400G. We talked about it the last several weeks. We had the review of it. Then we did uh, integrated graphics, memory scaling, testing. And now we're going to talk about GPU compute, obviously using the integrated graphics portion of this part itself, the Raven Ridge die, if you will. Uh, and the setup for this is, is pretty straightforward. We wanted to compare 
the 2400G against the Core i5-8400 and take a look at some applications that use GPU compute as well as some synthetics to give you an idea of what capabilities this device might have. Yeah, so if you if you can remember way back to the first GPU launches, this was a APU launches, sorry. This was a big push from AMD. Is that, yeah. Oh, you can do video transcoding. You do all this different OpenCL stuff on your integrated GPU and you want to touch CPU. So you can do other things like multitasking. In cases of video like transcoding, it might be faster. Right. But I had heard nothing about that with this launch. Right. So I kind of dug to try to find some applications that it would work for. And? Uh, well... If you start to look at the results. So we started with Sandra, just kind of like a synthetic check of things, right? Clearly a walkaway winner. <laughs> hey, guess here. what? Vega is a better architecture than Gen 10 graphics yeah. or whatever. Until you know, testing single, single precision, double precision, half precision, and then the aggregate score there. So it's interesting you bring that up because it's like it was, it was a big talking point a long time, you know, a long time ago. And now it doesn't, appear that it is is it is it because applications like this are harder to find i don't think they're harder to find i just don't think they proliferate as much as everyone expected so the the first test we normally you mentioned we would use like handbrake for transcoding but they haven't yet built in support for the uh the amd app app sdk that enables a hardware acceleration so this is a bit more complicated. App okay. is the older SDK. The new one is AMF, I believe, or AME. AME, I, I think it is. Okay. Accelerated uh, Media Engine. Yeah. AMF is like a weird file format, I think. But <laughs> AME is the new one. There are very, very few applications that have ever implemented AME. AME, it seems like that's what AMD is using for their ReLive stuff. Right. There is... There are branches of FMMPEG, and I think it might have just been recently mainstreamed in FMMPEG, but it's still very early days. And okay. just I came across that after this uh, article was published. Sure. So definitely some more testing to be done there. But as you can see, even with the older app SDK and DVD fab, transcoding a Blu-ray to H.264 was significantly faster on the GPU rather than the CPU of the the 2400G. Now the 8400 was still faster, still, right? And that's using the QuickSync engine from Intel's part, not the GPU necessarily. Although the QuickSync engine is kind of a a part of the yeah. of the graphics engine, uh, but it is kind of more. It is closer to dedicated hardware than using shaders for that type of functionality. And and, and it's just. It's mostly a software issue at this point. QuickSync's been around a long time. Intel yeah. updates to every generation. AMD has kind of had this transitional period where they've moved software SDKs for this stuff. So it's just taking a bit for the yeah. software community to catch up. I would really love to see the AMD stuff integrated into Handbrake so we can do kind of an apples-to-apples comparison between all three, CPU, QuickSync, and GPU on given platforms. Got it. Uh we also, you ran it through Cinebench R15. No real change here. This is just kind of like an OpenGL test. Um, is it surprising that the 8400 is that close to the 2400G, you think? I think it is. It might be just maturity of the drivers. Intel has pretty mature OpenGL drivers at this point, whereas yeah. we're just starting to see the first couple of releases for this Vega 8 and, right. 8 and 11, I guess, or... Yeah. I get it. I can't remember the shaders anymore. I, I, you know, I will say AMD has always been significantly behind NVIDIA on the OpenGL side of things. So it doesn't surprise me that 
this is maybe closer than we would expect. Um, your VSync on for open. What? Say that again. I said I said your G sync is on for that test. Not uh, VSync. Uh, well, I mean, you don't get settings Send with that test. So VSync. That would have to go into the control panel and uh, turn oh. it off. Never had to do that before, but it's possible. Nice. It's okay. possible. We'll take a look know. at it. I'm just throwing it out there. All right. All right. Uh, Luxmark, which is an OpenCL rendering test. This is a higher is better score. Here, clearly, that GPU coming into play. Um, notice, notice the difference between the CPU and GPU on the Core i5-8400 is very minimal. Um, almost as if GPU is not great. And that's because of that. Uh, what's the, what do you get? A 40% performance improvement moving from CPU rendering to GPU rendering on the, on the 2400G. Uh, a pretty significant push. Uh, the V-Ray benchmark is interesting. This is a, it's a very renderer. popular 3D renderer. Okay. For modeling applications. Now this you did not run on the 8400. Why is that? Uh, it didn't run for some reason. Did not see the 8400 GPU as a OpenCL device that was available to be rendered to. All right. So, however, we did compare it to a low-cost discrete GPU, which seems seems unfair, right? It's it's obviously faster. However, I was impressed at just how well the integrated graphics held up in a situation like this. The RX 550 is a GPU that costs almost as much as the 2400G itself. Right. So the fact that it's only like a three X advantage is still pretty reasonable. If you're something, if you're a student looking to build a PC so you could do Revit and render with V-Ray, this would be still be a very good option right. for a low budget build. And by rendering on the GPU instead of the CPU, you still get a usable computer. So if this is your only desktop and you have to render a project, you can still browse the internet. I know Chrome uses some open CLX acceleration and stuff like that but mm-hmm. it was perfectly usable while i was running the v-ray benchmark to just kind of browse the internet in chrome and edge and do some light yeah. productivity tasks so for people who are building lower end pcs and need to get work done it's a really viable option i think got it got it so that was kind of the the set of tests we ran through i mean what was your what was your kind of takeaway from from using this do you do you feel like is GPU compute an important part of the discussion when looking at these integrated graphics solutions? I think it's important when comparing the CPUs rather than the integrated graphics, I guess, if that makes sense. So I'm at the point now where I think you should buy one of these instead of like the competitive Ryzen 5 1000 series parts without the GPUs. Sure. It just makes sense enough applications to have the GPU available, even if you're using a discrete GPU, you can... Force it on. You can force the integrated GPU on in the BIOS, and apps that do use OpenCL can use it as a target device. Right. So if you're using like Photoshop or Office does some OpenCL now stuff that's just really difficult to benchmark, but is there and provides tangible improvements. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does make sense to buy these 2000 series over the 1000 series. Now they're I think they're actually priced cheaper. The 1000s or close. Uh, and it will soon be all 2000 series across the board anyway on this type of stuff. So check out that that story if you're interested in that GPU compute performance. Actually, Josh, I'll ask you, do you do you feel like GPU compute on on these kind of APU integrated graphics stuff has a, a future or is it do you feel like it's stagnated itself into submission? No, I think it's I, I think uh in, in, uh 
a product like this is is going to push that forward just because it's it's pretty competent. Uh, it's got plenty of, of GPU compute power. Uh, you know, Ken's article right here it, it showed some some significant advantages in in multiple workloads where that uh, works. I remember many years ago when some of the first APUs came out, I was able to get the APU portion working with graphics, uh, you know, and they're not, you know, uh, kind of the additive graphics that, that AMD had, but you could actually see all the, the CPU and the two GPUs and with uh, Luxmark and that type of stuff, you could, you know, pick and choose which ones you wanted to utilize. And uh, for something that is as general as, as AMD's Vega, um, this is just great. I mean, we've been hoping for heterogeneous computing for a long time, and this advances that principle by providing a, a powerful part that has full OpenCL implementation. Mm-hmm. Uh, AMD supports it really well with drivers. Uh, they're really working to you know match NVIDIA with their big CUDA lead as much as they can. And so as many parts as they can seed out as possible and get drivers for, and potentially get other uh, software IHVs to support those, then the better off AMD is going to be, the better off the industry is going to be just because people are going to be utilizing all this horsepower that is often wise, just sitting quietly in your computer. If you've got a standalone GPU. Fair enough. Um, oh, I think we had, we have another patron, Ross McLean pledged $10. Thank you very much, Ross, for that. That's awesome. Uh, I'm still waiting for person X. Person X. Yeah, that would be a good one too. Right after dummy. $10. That's a lot of nuts. That's a lot. That's a lot of, that's a lot of nuts. Uh, let's talk next about, uh, Logitech G603, G613. Um, these are accessories. Chris is now, uh, becoming our keyboard accessory specialist in some regards, as we had uh, a backlog of these devices creeping up on us. Um, these are devices that came out last year that I've actually had been using for a little while. And Chris's reviews kind of came up with, with what I had as well. So the G6 G613 is the wireless mechanical gaming keyboard. It uses the Romer G switches, um, Quoted battery life of 18 months, which is uh, pretty impressive. And I will say, I don't even know what kind of batteries the keyboard takes. And I've, how long do you think? I've probably been using that for three, four months at least. So, uh, and then the G603 is uh, a wireless gaming mouse, um, $69, 59 as uh, on Amazon at the time of this writing. It does not use Romer G switches. It uses the new Hero sensor, which is the low power yet still high performance controller uh, from, from Logitech. This one also claim it has two battery life measurements that are of note in the high performance mode where the latency is listed as one millisecond. You get about 500 hours of continuous gaming time. If you put it in low mode, which is, I think maybe six or seven milliseconds of latency, uh, you're up to 18 months of battery life. Again, eight milliseconds there. Um, What did I say? Eight milliseconds. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, I bought one of these for my wife's PC like a few months ago and just forgot about it. G613? Yeah. Or the 603? The mouse. mouse, And just forgot about it. Basically, it's just been on our desk and haven't even... So the keyboard is really interesting, right? Because it, so it uses the Romer G switches, and if you've never used them before, they're basically what are, what are they uh, closest to? I think browns, 
Maybe I think he says that in here. They have the feel of a MX click, Browns, but not, not the sound. Uh, yeah, like the sound is definitely deadened compared to the blues click. Yeah, the Browns have the feeling as if they clicked, but they don't actually make the sound. And and this is the one I type on every day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I've I've come to really really like the Romer G. I used the the G nine ten. I think is what it was before. Kind of the bigger, bulkier, gaming gamingier looking. The one with the little phone stand in it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one is more of kind of it's it's a better mix, I think, in terms of style for being uh, office and gaming. It's still got all your media control functionality. As you can see it's got the the switch to disable the Windows key. I like the capability that you can connect it through you know the, uh, a Wi-Fi or not Wi-Fi, but a two point four gigahertz receiver, like USB standard unified receiver that Logitech has, yep. or Bluetooth, and you hit either of these buttons and it will you can switch between them. That's cool. Right. So I have, I often have my phone sitting on a phone stand in front of my monitor. And if I get a text from my wife, I'll reply to it. Um, I well, just have it. You have it linked to your phone. Yeah. That's interesting. So I, I just hit the Bluetooth button on the keyboard and I can hit enter, type in my pen. It'll go right to that notification huh. that just popped up. I can type, hit enter. Uh, and then you have to hit the Wi-Fi key or the, I keep saying Wi-Fi. The, but you have to hit the, the wireless key to go back to that. I will say there have been many times where I have started typing in the wrong location because I forget to hit that button back and forth. What I need is the Logitech camera software, which I also <laughs> have mounted above my thing to watch my eyes and see basically where my focus is and move it accordingly. That would be, that would be the great, a good next step. And I think that's possible to do. Uh, the only complaint that Chris had about the, this keyboard was the, uh, if you look at the, Ooh. the, the, the printing on the keys, he says it looks like they're stickers, but they're not. Okay. There it's because there is, uh, there's no backlight on this. That's how they get the 18 months of battery life. There's no backlit keys sure. on it. Uh, but there's apparently a coating over the printing that makes it look like it's a sticker on the key. Hmm. But he, you know, I, like I said, I've been using one for a long time and have had no issues with wear. Um, but there is, I guess the potential, yeah. how much is this keyboard? It is one forty nine. That's MSRP. That's pretty expensive for a keyboard with, Printed keycaps. No, I said, of, is it that they're not? Aren't they? It's well, just you said coding. they're not stickers, but they're printed. Uh, uh, they're not I mean, double shot. I don't. They might not be double. Hold shot. on, hold on. I want to. I want to know. Um, what is it? Like, you, like, they said it on it's, pad it's, printed legends with very clear edges. This type of yeah. legending oh. is well known for wearing off over time, and I'm concerned yeah. about the long term durability of the keycaps because the edges on the legends are so clear. The first impression is that they're stickers. They're coated, of course, so you can't peel them off. Yes, I tried, <laughs> uh, but it feels cheap compared to the rest of the keyboard. Um, yeah, I get. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's fair. Like I said, having used it for about four months, it hasn't worn. That doesn't mean it's not going yeah, to. I mean, you're not going to see also, wear the, in four the months. The palm rest hasn't worn as well, yeah. which I find interesting. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no printing on it, but uh, there is that. Um, I mean, you're paying for the whole wireless without worrying about wireless anything. Romer G. You know, mechanical switches, yeah. and then the 603 is. Uh, what would you say that mouse looks like to you? What would you say it's reminiscent it's one of, those of old Logitechs? I, what about? I was thinking more along the lines of the Microsoft. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Microsoft. It's it's, uh, it's much portable. Uh, mouse. It's much shorter yeah. though. You think it's it, it is? Yeah. When you actually try to use it, it's like 
Was that an MX310 I had? <laughs> uh, so this is, again, it's wireless. It's got, it uses double A's, um, but you've got that low and the high setting option. This also has a button on the bottom that you can switch between Bluetooth and the wireless receiver. Yeah. Um, and again, you can pair it to multiple devices. Not quite as convenient as using a keyboard because you've got to pick it up and flip a switch on the, on the back. But if you want to take... You want to use that mouse at your desktop and you want to take it with you in your backpack when you go out of town. You can do that. Switch it. Bluetooth to your laptop or something if you don't want to have to get behind the desk and move the the, uh, wireless uh, receiver. Um, A a, a really good mouse. It's also you can assign the side buttons uh, through the software as well. Um, You know, you've said your wife uses this mouse, has no issues with it. It's, Again, no, it's been fine. I've been using it for a long time and I've had no problems. Again, not an LED enabled mouse. Right. Some people oh. will see that. As, <laughs> oh no! Some people will see that as a very big positive. In okay. addition to some people seeing it as a negative, uh, but yep. it she is just, there. She just needed a mouse. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so yeah, this is a, these are available. Both of them uh, actually. So the silver award for the G six one three, gold for the six zero three six one three, slightly lower because of that printed keycap as Chris pointed out. So uh, very interesting accessories that, like I said, I have personally been using for a long time and have had zero issues with. And actually, you know, I, I kind of like the smaller, more compact size than the big gaming one I had before. It's still got numpad. It's still got media functionality. Yeah, the one you had on your desk before was a beast. Yeah. yeah. And I really liked it. I the think of one I was using, one of the recent ones before that was the Topre that had similar feel to the switches, but it didn't have media functionality. Right. And I listened to a lot of Spotify, so pause, next, all that stuff, very important to me. Uh, so check out that review that Chris posted up uh, just this week. Now we're going to talk with Josh. Me? Because we have to. Yes. About a wheel. You are you are contractually obligated to talk to me. <laughs> My wife came out there, made you sign at Guntcoin. Please keep him for an hour to two hours every <laughs> Wednesday night so I can actually get something yes. done. Yes. Understood. Yes, exactly. So anyway, this was sent to me uh, last year, and I had a chance to really hammer on it uh, before life hammered on me. And uh, I was able to finally get this review out. Uh, now, initially, they released this one about a year ago, and it was their new top end at the time. Since then, they've uh, got a, uh, one other that, the Thrustmaster GT, I believe that's like a seven hundred dollar part. That's that's kind of ludicrous. But this was a um, kind of the next generation of the T five hundred series. So it was initially uh, released at five hundred ninety nine bucks. Throughout this past year, it is now an MSRP of about four ninety nine. You can pick it up anywhere between four hundred and four hundred and fifty nine dollars, depending on. Uh, sales. Um, this is a redesigned unit. It has a new motor. It's got a new cooling system. Ooh. It's got a new power supply. It's it's. I think it's got a new pulley and gearing system as well. And um, it, it you know is aimed to be a product that is more um, competitive to what Fanatic has at the. to $600 price range just for the base. Now, with this, you only get the base and the open wheel. Uh, It doesn't come with pedals, but uh, because of the kind of uh, Thrustmaster ecosystem, you can have um, your choice of pedals with it. It's the uh, T3A and the T3A Pro. I use this one with the T3PA Pro, which is their nicer kind of more metal, uh, you can adjust it from GT and F1 uh, pedal settings. 
but this is a very comparable product to the Fanatic CSL Elite, which is right around the same kind of uh, price range. Now, if you kit this out with um, the T3PA pedals, um, and it comes with with the, the you know the nice open wheel, it is about fifty to seventy bucks cheaper than kind of the base unit of the Fanatic CSL Elite with the two pedal set. Uh, if you decide to go with the three pedal set with the CSL Elite, that'll cost you another extra hundred bucks. But the amazing things about this is it's a pretty strong motor. Uh, it's probably around six newton meters, and so that's again comparable to uh, the uh, CSL Elite. Um, the cooling system is improved so that you don't get a whole lot of fan noise. It's just only got a little small fan kind of in the back. Yeah, I saw it back here. Here it is. Yeah, you'd think that's going to be just loud as hell, but it's yeah. it's not. It, okay. it, it just kind of hums, and it's in the background, and it's not a big deal. And once you turn on your racing game, you don't you don't notice it at all. But as these motors are, are working, you know, more heat builds up. But their cooling system is such that the heat doesn't really ever build up that much. And so your fan doesn't get any, any louder uh, than when you turn it on. Um, the power supply is, is kind of a unique looking unit. It, it, it looks like a, a, a turbocharger. I think it's down near the bottom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and nice. uh, so it's, okay, that's, it's a cool power right. supply. that's a big hole in the middle and it's got uh, it's got three mounting holes uh, around the side this thing weighs a good five to seven pounds it's Oof. it's beefy it's it's something like 400 watt peak um that it can push out uh it, it obviously won't stay there for very long but well, it's got all that cooling have, like it's a turbo well, yeah yeah <laughs> And so uh, when you have, uh, you know, rapid changes in, uh, in, in motor direction, this thing can really pump out the power and, and give you that really good crisp feel without any kind of, um, you know, tailing off in the force feedbacks. Uh, in terms of, of force feedback, I would say that this was the best unit I've, I've played with so far. I've, I've, I've done the CSL Elite from Fnatic. I've done the T300 uh, from, you know, Thrustmaster to the TX, the lower end stuff. Uh, I did one of the Club Sport V2 a couple of years ago, which is the high end of Fnatic. And this really had the best feeling force feedback that I've yet to experience. It's strong, but at the same time, it was able to convey a lot of the subtleties of of the surface that you're on. So you can really tell if it's pavement, you can tell exactly if your front wheels are slipping, if your rear wheels are slipping. I mean, it just really was able to get those forces through the wheel in a way that I hadn't experienced yet, either with previous Thrustmaster parts or with the, uh, the, uh, fanatic, uh, unit. And especially the, the CSL elite when comparing it to this one, it's, it's just as strong, maybe a little bit stronger but it doesn't have that same kind of of, of subtlety. It's a, the, the feeling is it's it's there, but it's just not quite as good as what Thrustmaster is able to do. So this is a a really good product for the price that it's at now. I mean, initially it was pretty expensive, but uh, over this past year, it's it's dropped down significantly in, in price. And I think that it's in an area where you know people who are serious about racing games can now get to the point where. 
they can buy it. And, uh, you know, I've been testing it for quite a while. I've had no issues with it whatsoever. We've had multiple firmware updates, driver updates. They usually do that about once a quarter. And everything that I've used it on has worked very, very well with. And so it's been a great product. Give it editor's choice because it's really good. Again, um, I've used this with not just the open wheel that came with it, but the, uh, the five, uh, the five ninety triple X five, nine triple X Ferrari wheel, which is the full, uh, rally style circular racing wheel. Um, you can swap out a bunch of different ones that, uh, they have. Again, if you scroll up a little bit, you can kind of see the ecosystem that, uh, you can add in there. Um, so yes, the 599 X Evo 30 is what I also tested this with, and it worked perfectly. Um, it's a great product. If you really like racing, then uh, you should take a good look at this and uh, go for it. So Josh, what's the what's the total bill for the the wheel motor, the the F1 wheel, and a set of nice pedals and a shifter? How much is the total on that? Boy, I think that Ferrari F1 wheel add-on is is like two hundred and fifty bucks by itself. It's uh it's mm. it's kind of a monster. Uh the five ninety nine X double X that I used is around one seventy five. So just you know, with the uh with the base, the open wheel that comes with it and the T three PA pros, uh you're looking at about Five hundred and seventy bucks. The TH8A I think is around eighty dollars. So you're looking six fifty ish for just those basics. Uh, But when you start adding in, yeah, that Ferrari F1 wheel, things get a little bit pricier. Uh, The leather twenty eight GT wheel is something else, and also they have a a new one that is a all wooden wheel Mm -hmm. off of like a nineteen sixty two Ferrari something and it's a it's like a 299 or is it 400 bucks but it's it's what ludicrous if, what if you bolt a nin- nintendo oh. wii wheel from <laughs> mario kart to it you're, you're not going to be able to buttons well whatsoever. for one thing the color scheme would be nicer <laughs> yeah solid yeah. white on it i mean if you map the the wiimote bluetooth to your pc you might be able to do Mm, some yeah. stuff that way if we're t- if we're gonna save money on the complex systems like this yeah. uh so all right check that out that's the th- if if you're into the wheels if you're into that racing uh genre which i am in love with all of the time uh in racing backwards thrustmaster tspc wheel review up on there all right let's uh jump into some news items we got a little bit quite a bit of stuff to run through here um the mobile world congress was this week is I think still going on in Barcelona. Uh, I didn't go, clearly. But uh, stuff to talk about there. Qualcomm quickly, they announced that... So as we continue down this road to the always connected PC stuff, this announcement was not about any new partners for new systems. This was instead, hey, uh, we found people to sell it and we found people that will allow it to be on their network. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at... Um, the carriers in the U.S. or all four carriers are going to offer plans. The unfortunate part is that uh, nobody's telling us what it's going to cost yet. Uh, I, this could be this could be great or it could be really bad. It all depends on what the carriers decide to do with the data plans. Will they 
offer you, you know, 10 gigs for 10 bucks, unlimited data for 20 bucks? Are they going to charge you, are they going to do unlimited data as if you're adding a new phone, which is going to be like 80 bucks on Verizon type of thing? What? You're shaking your head. No? Oh, I think we talked about this last week. Did we? I'm having deja vu. Uh, Well, we talked about the actual announcement at Qualcomm, but they hadn't really necessarily well, we, we, signed we anyone. We talked about how they're not in Best Buy. We talked about how that's on all four major yep. carriers. Yeah, it was, it, was still, it was still rumors at that point. Uh, yeah. Oh, now well, it's confirmed. Well, whatever. We, everything Ryan everything, everything we talked about before is now the watch. same, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. So it's like it's not going to be at Best Buy. It isn't going to be at Amazon. So Microsoft stores. At Microsoft, at Amazon, not at that. I know I talked about this on Twitch. But I wasn't on Twitch. I know, but you would have been sitting in the room. I, I wear noise-canceling headphones when you do that. <laughs> I don't want to hear any more about tech. Fair. All right. Fair enough. Uh, but also from Mobile World Congress, Huawei announces the MateBook X Pro notebook. And um, that's a pretty good-looking notebook, right? If you are into the thin <laughs> In that bezel- configuration, it is. What do you mean? It, it, it looks a bit funky when you want to do some video calling. Oh, sure. Yes, if you like the idea of thin bezeled displays, this kind of takes what the Dell XPS 13 started. Yeah, where's the camera? Uh, well, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> you don't need and, no and stinking it, camera. It kind of increases uh, or decreases the size of those bezels pretty dramatically. It's also a high-res screen, 3000 by 2000, um, 8th gen Intel Core processors, MX150 discrete, you know, low power, but discrete NVIDIA graphics option in there. So, so wait, it's an actual 3x2 screen. Yeah, yeah, like the surfaces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's um, nice. So it's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, however, yeah. <laughs> uh, that is the webcam. Well, that's so, the worst of both did it, worlds. Did it pop it's, up? It's actually almost a good idea. It, yes. So between your f- F... Uh, is that one of the keys? No, it's not. It's between F6 and F7. <laughs> oh, okay. So it does kind so, of screw so up your are, uh, <clears throat> I hate to ask this, but no, you is don't. that a webcam or is that laptop just happy to see me? Uh, Maybe it's a little bit of both, Josh. Could be. And so, it's recording you. So it pops up from that location to record up your nose. So I see. Yeah, like they, they fix none of the problems. Uh, yeah. It's still going to look yeah. up your nose and... It's not, and it's this weird mechanism that's probably going to break eventually. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt that it doesn't on break. The thing instead. Yeah, be bold, I, I mean, Huawei. Be bold. The, it's like be if, you, if you be bold, if you, like removing the headphone check. Yeah, we were we were brave enough to remove the webcam. I mean, ideally, webcam. what you want to do is you want it to like pop up out of the top of the monitor or something like that, but like that Vivo phone. Yeah. they were showing yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, but that's a really thin. That's it's like, also going to break. Super thin. Yes, hard to do. Like yeah. I get it. I get it. This is this is like a unique idea. It, if you never use a webcam, then at least it doesn't look ugly on your device, I guess, right? Remember it's how you don't see pop-up headlights on cars anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Do you insinuate that that was a mechanical failure problem in the long run? Um, uh, possibly. So this, I like this picture here. shows the woman you're talking to over video is well-framed. She's got a camera on the top of her display to look at you. Meanwhile, what you're sending her no, back have is going to be video in the, corner. the top of your knuckles. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there is a reason why that, uh, that recessed. You know how many slides we've seen in presentations from notebook manufacturers other than Dell about how their web, Dell's webcam placement is just, is bad. It's just 
viewing your hands on the it's keyboard bad. as you type. This is going to be the new example they use. I, I will posit, however, that it hasn't really slowed the success of the XPS 13 overall this time. I'm convinced that people don't actually use the webcams on their laptops. Well, then it's not a problem for Huawei to do this. Just don't put it on there. I mean, you got to have it in case of emergency. Yeah. Now, emergency what I, webcam? <laughs> what I will say is, um, at least with the one on the monitor, you have the ability to kind of like adjust it some, like yeah. the angle, right? And you can put it on a, on a couple of phone books and angle it down some, and maybe you can get something that's close to, to reliable. With that, you're with not you don't hair, have that flexibility. Lights. Nose hair, ceiling lights. Well, like like I'm saying, people options. have to do video conferencing for work and occasionally, but I don't think those are the type of people who are buying X PS machines. I think they're the uh, type of having ThinkPads or Latitudes like provided to. to them. And I think that unless it has Windows Hello, the webcam doesn't get used on a, on a modern notebook very often. Yeah. Uh, here's the full list of specs. I mean, we've talked about most of this, you know, up to 512 gig NVMe, up to 16 gigs of RAM. Uh, no specifics on pricing, I don't think yet. Oh, wait, no. MateBook X will be available this spring starting at 1499 euros which is approximately 1850 i had heard actually that they were going to do one-to-one on that pricing so it may be starting at 1499 us but we don't know for I would sure hope it's not 1850 yeah i would hope starting at 1850 would be really bad the um, rest, it's it's a cool laptop yeah they, and we've they, actually they, had good success with the huawei yeah. devices i've had uh both we, we did we look at the matebook x we looked at the matebook e we, we looked at the e the, and x, the original matebook as well yeah, they, they came out with the x last year and it was Really compelling. I wanted to take a look at it. We just never got a chance to. And this looks like they're improving upon that. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Samsung obviously announced the Galaxy S9, S9 Plus phones. Not a lot of surprises here. This is all this information kind of had been coming out. It used the Snapdragon 845, uh, as well as the Samsung Exynos 9810 processors, depending on where you are in the world. It has a dual camera design. It has a physical shutter mechanism for the primary camera, switching between f2.4 and f1.5 lenses, which is, I think, the first time this has happened in a phone device like this, to see yeah. a physical shutter. So wait, wait, you mean a physical aperture? Yeah, sorry, physical aperture. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and when you, like... The Nokia 1520 mutant thing didn't have it? I don't, I I don't, don't know the answer to that. One with a nipple coming out the back? I thought it did. I think um, it just did really high resolution. It, I mean, it might have, but, it, you know, at that point... It's not really. Is that really a cell phone camera at that point? Uh, no, know, it's, in, it's in the body bit, type of thing. Sensor so small anyway. Supports uh, 960. Is that right? FPS slow motion video at 720p. I believe. Pretty good. Uh, same uh, same physical form factor as before. They did intelligently move the fingerprint reader on the back to below the camera lenses as opposed to next to the camera lenses so it's easier to reach and you're less likely to smudge up the back of your of your mm-hmm. camera lens uh it's available in this purple pi- lilac color which i am just growing more and more fond of um higher resolution screens amoled obviously again um what else stood out on this ken anything and emoji, which are creepy as hell. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that in commercials already. Yeah, it's not – the animation's not as good as what Apple did with their animated emoji. What do they call theirs? An emoji. No, this is called AR emoji on the yeah. Samsung oh, device. Okay. AR Doesn't emoji. it make – it, Because it takes a picture of you and it tries to make a yeah, 3D like character avatar, about right? of yeah. that. Yeah, of an avatar of you. Whereas like with, Apple, emoji. with Apple, you yeah. have to go with their – 
Correct. Like, what, whatever they've, they've, they've just, whatever. They're just emojis that they animate as opposed to trying to make it like a virtual Correct. avatar. Yeah. Correct. Um, I do think that's cool. That it it's it's an interesting idea. idea that, it just doesn't look great. Yeah. Like it animates pretty poorly. The the the, the examples I've seen of the emojis it creates doesn't doesn't really look like you. I don't know if you can tweak it after the fact or not. Yeah. Uh, we'll be going on presale March second, so that's the that's this Friday. Yeah, tomorrow's the first. So if this Friday goes on presale. I think it ships the seventeenth or nineteenth, something like that. Shipping this month, um, starting at seven nineteen. And 839 for the S9 Plus. Uh, do keep in mind that apparently everybody but T-Mobile jacked up the prices on the phones. So even if you buy it, so if you buy it through Verizon or AT&T, instead of being 719 for the base model of the S9, it's actually like 790 mm. with all the payments. Yeah, so buy it, it unlocked. So if you buy it unlocked... You can buy it from <laughs> Samsung on a payment plan still even yeah. if you want to do that. Yeah. So... And like yeah. I said, T-Mobile, I think, is the only carrier that's actually uh, doing it the right way. So, well, you, you have to pay for the development of the custom firmware they're all using. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it does use uh, it is on Oreo, obviously. So, uh, moving on from that, Western Digital at Mobile World Congress, I, or I guess more or less at Mobile World Congress, announced the SN720 and SN520 NVMe M.2 SSDs. Uh, tell me a little bit about them. First of all, like, why did they have? Why did they do this at MWC? Was there a particular I, reason for I that? I don't know. Okay. Well, they're they're sort of these aren't meant to be retail products right away. These are meant to be like more embedded slash like OEM mobile okay. products. Um, they, they actually the, the, they're not currently listed on the Western Digital site. They're listed on the Sandisk site, even though they are Western Digital products. Right. But Sandisk is more of an OEM sort of SSD brand for them. So they're kind of going that route, even though it's a little bit confusing still. Better than last time where they launched an SSD and that was the same exact name under both, right? You know, under both company names at the same time. But yeah. um, so it's uh, it's their own controller. We don't have details on the controller yet. We just know that it's uh, on I think a twenty eight nanometer process and it's an eight channel controller. Okay. Uh, so it, I mean, it should be competitive with other controllers. I would hope. We don't know. Sure. We haven't tested it. Um. Uh, it's a, a controller that's like you typically have, you know, you'll have like a Fizon or a Silicon Motion or whatever controller. And they ha- those guys have to make their controllers work with all of the different types of flash out there. Right. Right. Whereas uh, Western Digital is dealing with their partnership with Toshiba and they're making the Bix 3 flash. Right. So which is so this controller basically is just optimized for their flash. Mm-hmm. So maybe it can do better than the more generic controllers that are not optimized for any one particular kind of flash can do, right? Um, so the the two different versions, the 720 is a by 4 uh, Okay. And is that why it's keyed differently? Uh, yeah, that's just the standard keying that you would see for a for a by 4 SSD. By 2 SSDs have the two key marks in them. That just makes them more compatible mm. with with uh, systems that, you know, okay. maybe had the other keying. It's not very... Frequent, like it's really hard to find a system nowadays that has the other key uh, on on the socket. Right. Um, those SSDs, the the five twenty series, uh, those are all by two, obviously due to the keying. You can tell, um, and they're available in the three different form factors, three different common form factors of M.2. That's the twenty two eighty, twenty two forty two, and twenty two thirty. I saw a picture of that series without the labels on them. Okay. 
and it basically looked like they just made the PCB longer. Like all the parts are just up near the oh, connector. Really? Even yeah, uh, okay. Even even the highest capacity. So I also looked at that. Like even the uh, you know the highest capacity of the 520, which is half a terabyte, uh, is still the same regardless of the size. Right. Even if you have the much smaller PCB, so uh, it's just they're just doing that just to be able to fit and you know physically mount into. Whatever so the different it's devices. nice to see more options in the shorter lengths, though, because you very rarely see. Yeah, we kind of don't drives. see them very often. Yeah, and every once in a while, you'll find something like an oddball, like a Nook or a something else. Nooks tend to be twenty two eighty. Like the like, Zotac Z boxes, Sebastian reviews yes. a lot. We'll occasionally have mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, you'll get these oddball kind of form factor things that have the smaller, interesting, um, you know, the smaller size, and have a hard time trying to find a, a part for it usually. Not to say that this is going to be easy to find retail necessarily, but I'm sure you'll be able to find it at a reseller or something if you want to get your hands on one. Um, Capacities up to one terabyte for both, or no? Is- it's a uh, it's um two fifty five or fifty six five twelve one terabyte for the seven twenty for the by four model. Okay, and then you cut all those in half. Okay, one twenty eight two fifty six yeah. five twelve for the uh, the the lower end SN five twenty. Yep. Okay. Yep. And the performance, like their their stated specs, looks pretty good. They look competitive. Again, we haven't tested it, so you know proof will be in the pudding. We actually are. I'm pretty sure these can do caching, like SLC caching. I'm just they weren't clear. Hmm. Um, with those specs, I would imagine that they're doing some form of SLC cache. Yeah, because it says the SN720 is listed at 3.4 gigs per second uh, read, 2.8 gigs per second write, uh, with yeah. a five-year warranty, while the SN520s are rated at... They don't give me a speeds for those. Okay. It's going to... Well, they're probably trying not to be... Well, they're, they're going to be, be, be half, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, or... Um, well, they could. it could be... More than half yep. because of the... But the IOPS rating is up to like 500,000 IOPS, which is yeah. kind of hard to hit with just straight TLC on an M.2 hmm. SSD. Okay. So it's probably SLC cache. Do we know when they're going to be available, when we'll have them, that type of stuff? Well, they're mm, kind of... I think they're they're probably sampling to OEM. They're trying to do the OEM play first on this, is what it looks like. Okay. They're, I might go as far as to say, like, if there was a... There might be a retail version of this that's even a different part, possibly. Oh, I see. Right, because you know it's it's Western Digital. Like you, it would be like a black or like mm-hmm. something, right? Yeah, the model naming is unique for them. Uh, yeah, it yeah. doesn't really follow their their normal retail naming. Um, so that kind of suggests to me that they might either that or they finally had to go. Well, we called the last NVMe SSD the black, so we're, like we might have to. Or actually, the last M.2 SSD. Sorry, because I think that was M.2 SATA. Mm. No, All right, it wasn't. Get them all mixed up now. I, I think they had a PCIe part. The black was a PCIe. The blue yeah, were the, the, yeah. That's what mm. it was. Mm. So what are you going to do now? Like, call it the, the all bla- new Western Digital Black. Call, call it the Black 2? Oh, wait. They already yeah, did, did that, that one. That's right. Yes. <laughs> that was that was the combined that, SATA. That was the hybrid two and a half inch. And in, an SSD drive, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Or showed up as two individual devices. Interesting. Uh, yeah. What's a, only after you installed the driver. Did it show up as well, two yeah. devices? Yeah. It first showed up as one device with just the first section of LBAs was the SSD and the rest was the hard drive. I'm really curious what Western Digital does with this. Uh, they haven't really done made a whole lot of uh, uh, commotion after you know since the SanDisk purchase, I would say. Right. They haven't made a lot of improvements or, or kind of pushed anything in that direction. So I would like to see them 
like to see them do that. Uh, let's see. Up next, this was an interesting story I originally wrote up on Market Watch. Uh, that so a report came out from a research company called Bernstein that had been looking into this company called Bitmain, which I had not heard much of. I know. Ken and Alan are more familiar with the the crypto mining stuff. So they knew what it was. They make the ant miners, which are the freestanding uh, ASIC-based ASIC miners. Bitcoin miners. Um, Bitcoin, Litecoin. Oh, just Litecoin. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they have a couple for different, okay. different yep. algorithms. So, no ant coin yet? No, no, no. No, not yet. So, 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 there's ant farm. <laughs> so, Bit, so Bernstein did this research into this, and they discovered that they estimated the 2017 profits for this – sort of secretive Chinese company was between three and $4 billion exceeding the profits of NVIDIA that has had a banner 2017, <laughs> right? Like think of where their stock is and, and how, how they've beat expectations around every corner. So it was an interesting, like kind of thing three to, to four run billion dollars to sell of profit, not of revenue of like actual profit, sell some extruded aluminum boxes. Just with, the worst, like worsely built things you've yeah. ever touched it's in your lives as well. the most just slapped together possible. Th- I mean, if you shake it, the PCBs rattle around. Yeah. Ooh, like loud really, as hell. Yeah, the fans are super loud. Like, there's just... This is how you increase profit margins, yes. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The wiring you can see, I mean, just look at the picture. Like, scroll down some. Like, there's... The, yeah. the wiring is not even scroll all internal. Bit. It's just, there's just little ribbons. Just like... You know, connecting stuff. The network box kind of slapped up on top. Yeah, it's, yeah, just, it's yeah. like a Raspberry Pi derivative, like one of those single board computers, essentially with an interface. So this board. is what this is what Bitmain makes, right? Yeah, and apparently they make a significant amount. They of They do. Now, what's interesting about this is I didn't want to dive into like, oh, uh, you know, what these do and how much they're worth. But this company has about seventy to eighty percent of the dedicated Bitcoin mining market. Um, what's interesting is the ASICs that exist in this product inside here are anywhere from like 220 to 250 small chips, mm-hmm. right? All doing the same type of thing, distributed computing. Yeah. If you look in that picture, there are like four PCBs you can see sticking out the yeah. top. Each of those are a hashing board, which have like a few dozen, like 60 to 80. Yeah. ASICs on them Got with it. little small individual heat These sinks. fans just blow air through. Yep. Got it. Um, so now what's interesting about this is not – like I, I didn't want to get into discussion about um, is are GPUs better or worse at mining than these. They, they basically address totally different markets at this point because yeah. once an ASIC is introduced for uh, an algorithm, it basically takes the GPUs out of it completely. Right. right. I mean, it's just you're making a chip that only does this one algorithm. What, it's what just I, way better at it. What I found out was interesting is that as Ken had, had been tracking for me for a little while, I was kind of like – News about like, hey, TSMC or Samsung had made some comments in their uh, earnings about, hey, uh, we've been making a lot of chips for crypto miners. Yeah. Okay. And nobody's naming specific customers necessarily. But the if if you look at kind of the uh, uh, the the market for these foundries, they're what they what they want to do is. They want to sell every wafer for the highest margin they can, right? And so as their uh, available inventory of, of space in the fab line decreases, then they have the ability to, to now go to their customers and, and charge more for the next round. It's like, okay, if you want to have priority, you're going to have to pay more for this, that type of thing. And so now that you look at 
before you could kind of think of, I would have just assumed that, well, coin miners are, are willing to take whatever's left over at whatever fab, right, on any foundry process because whatever, it's a side thing. They don't really care, blah, blah, blah. But once you start to see that these guys are making 3 to $4 billion a year, mm-hmm. you realize that as many chips as they make – because again, there's 220 of those. They're smaller than normal GPUs, but 220 per box that they have potential, potentially a lot of pull at these foundries. If they go to Samsung or TSMC and say, uh, we want to build seven nanometer parts because we can make them smaller, more power efficient. We can maybe put 400 of them in the next box, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, now, they not only will they have the request for it, but because – the market that they're building products for is purely a profit play. Like, well, if we need to sell these boxes we make for 4,000 instead of 2,500, we we're pretty sure people will pay this. Yeah, still, they still right? will. These people will still pay that. Whereas yeah, if the, you're in the Nvidia, third party market for these things is insane. It's like two or three X retail value. A lot really? of times. Yeah. Yeah. So but probably if your bitman gives you an idea of what you could maybe charge retail for these parts, I'm going forward. I'm surprised bitman hasn't just risen their prices. Yeah, I agree. Like with, um, yeah, now, the, the problem is because – so I kind of basically just, just decided that because of this, Bitmine, Bitmain is not cost-sensitive when it comes to the production, right? They are right. to some not degree, right? They are to some degree, but because they know that they can raise prices as long as the market is doing good, the crypto mm-hmm. market is doing good. If you're NVIDIA or AMD, now you're making GPUs. And sure, if you're NVIDIA, you can sell some of them for three or $4,000 to the, to the machine learning guys, the server guys. But when you start looking at the mass of their GPUs, which is in the gaming space and the mobile space, uh, you don't have the cost flexibility suddenly to raise the price of your product to what it may, may be doing. So as a result, there may be some battles for foundry inventory if it is constrained, especially as new process nodes come up, between the likes of NVIDIA, AMD, even Qualcomm, Apple, mm-hmm. right, at all these places, and somebody like Bitmain who's just like, I just need these chips because I'm gonna I know I'm gonna sell them for a thousand percent markup. I don't care, right? Whereas NVIDIA and the other guys and AMD and Qualcomm have to go, we have to judge. Yeah, exactly. What we can even pay for these to, to even hope to make a profit because Qualcomm doesn't get to sell the Snapdragon 845 for $4,000. They mm-hmm. would love to be able to do that, but they don't get to do that. And, um, interestingly enough, in the current market where they're making nanometers on, was it 16 nanometer, I guess, TSMC? Yes. Uh, AMD actually has an advantage here because, as Lisa Sue said in one of their recent earnings, like they have the ability to make more GPUs because they're using global foundries. Right. Global Ooh, foundries Bitmain doesn't appear. Isn't currently utilizing, at, from what we can tell. They don't have they, a 14 nanometer They told product. me they have some, but it's not a significant portion yeah. of, the, of their customer base. I'm curious, Josh, if you had any thoughts on that you know, synopsis or kind of theory that I had in place you know, about – this fighting that may occur for these these more advanced process nodes. This is where you speak, Josh. It's an audio podcast. He's he's, he's thinking. You really expected me to listen to all that? Going <laughs> <laughs> from Josh, I, guess, I, guess, I mean, Calling I listened from to your Josh. whole thing about a wheel for fifteen yeah, minutes. That's true, you you did. Because I no, knew when you right were finished, now, so I the, could transition. The foundry, do, you, do you want me to actually answer anything? Yeah. yeah. The entire foundry thing is, is kind of up in the air. I mean, we've got a lot of 14 nanometer production that I, I just don't think it's getting 
completely saturated. Um, you know, NVIDIA and, and AMD certainly, uh, they're, they're pushing chips, but they're not, they're not breaking the bank pushing the chips. I mean, they, I think that they are still so leery about what happened a couple of years ago with the, uh, the coin drops and how much inventory was left in the channel. They've just been a whole lot more cautious. And so mm-hmm. I think foundry foundries are, are kind of as a rule, unless it's a true cutting edge process node, uh, you're always going to have some, some slack in there to be able to, to throw in some, some significant wafer orders. Maybe not, you know, well, I need 50,000 wafer orders this month. That's, that's not going to happen, but Hey, I'm going to schedule for next month and a half, 10,000 wafer orders in a batch. And yeah, they can, they can do that. What was the stat? I may be we've... talking straight out of my, my bungus, but maybe, Thickly. I think twenty thousand. Yeah, we had we had seen a, we'd seen a, a month. Yeah, we had seen a report that was that Bitmave was was taking up twenty thousand of the of the sixteen nanometer. They were, they had placed new orders for twenty thousand wafer starts starting a month, this, this quarter, starting this yeah. this quarter, which is uh, more than Nvidia does, right? At that, so Jeez. it's. It's it's interesting, and and I will freely admit that I don't, maybe maybe there's plenty of capacity at the at these at these fabs, but my discussions with them is, is that it's not really the case, right? Um, and what was one of the metrics I used? The biggest, you know, Apple's still the largest consumer of TSMC's fab facilities, and my guess is you don't piss off your biggest customer by cutting out their portion of things. So you start to look at who are the smaller guys that I can maybe pull back if, if I get away for order for 200% markup than what I would normally get yeah. for it. So I don't know. I, th- I think it's interesting to see, like I said, this is all, it's all theory. It's all stuff that could happen, but I think the sudden introduction in the span of just a couple of years, a major player in the fabulous semiconductor space that is going to have a three to $4 billion profit. Uh, fabs don't come online that quick. So it's it's not like this is a uh, an easily absorbed thing if it happens to turn out that way. So I don't know. Global Foundries probably would would like to <laughs> yeah. get more of their their fab space out, and do as yeah, many absolutely. people as possible. Well, Sam, Samsung announced in some earnings call that they're making crypto ASICs for somebody. We don't know who yet. So in theory, yeah. some of that business could transfer to Global Foundries if they're running into capacity issues. Yeah, if they if they're doing fourteen because of the shared yeah. development cycle on that, that might work too. All right. Uh, logic needs to get into it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I believe that company's dead. <laughs> it's a fabulous semiconductor company. Jeremy, tell me about the cult of Vega and uh, Far Cry 5. Uh, well, I mean, sadly, we are living in a uh, world right now where it's cheaper to uh, buy a graphics card that comes with a free computer than it is to buy the <laughs> graphics card by itself. AMD is sort of twigged onto this, and so their latest giveaway is not tied into a GPU. It's tied into buying a computer that's running either a RX 580 or either the Vega 64 or 56. Pick one up, you get uh, the standard edition of Far Cry 5 for free. When's that come out? Which is soon. Soon? Is it? Okay. Next month, probably? Really? I imagine okay. it's before yeah, it's the end of March. Yeah. Before the end of the quarter. And this will be uh, a Radeon title, so they have been working with Ubisoft to tweak some of the things. It will support FreeSync 2. You don't have a monitor to use on that, but I I mean, hey, at least you can support it. (laughs) (laughs) If I were AMD, 
I would be timing seeding out some FreeSync 2 displays along with uh, early testing of Far Cry 5. That's what I would be, be doing. smart idea. It would be an intelligent thing. Um, yeah, so FreeSync 2 support, rapid, pack, rapid packed math, that's FP16 support, and shader intrinsics. Interesting. It's actually and really you know the best part? What's that? Ubisoft games always have really good benchmarks built in. Do they? Yeah. True. What's another example of that? Uh, Assassin's Wait, Creed. There was one in Far Cry 4? Uh, Wildlands. There was Far Cry one Primal. in Far Cry Primal, yeah. 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 In, in, in recent, in the, in yeah, the past yeah. two years, they put essentially identical benchmarks. When you got a GPU company game. footing the bill for some of it, I guess that yeah. kind of makes sense, too. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm excited to play this game. I didn't realize it was that soon, too. So, good. All right. Maybe I won't. Hopefully, I won't have to buy a... I guess I can just buy the game. I have video cards already. I don't have to worry about buying a video card. I think but, you're good. But They uh, said uh, custom built. Like, does Best Buy sell machines that have 580s in them? Yeah. Does that count as custom yeah. built? Yes, it would. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, literally anything that's got one of those cards in it, away you go. Sweet. Just like before you'd buy a GPU that's and away true. you go. It does. I, like, I didn't realize that. But think about it before, Jeremy. But like trying to make a bundle package like this for you know, something like Final Fantasy or Far Cry 5 is could be a disaster if nobody could buy the card. The graphics card. Yeah. yeah. That's why you attach it to the system. Yeah. All right. Last thing real quick. Qualcomm also announced Snapdragon 700 mobile platform. There's not much more to say other than that. They didn't announce any details about it. Uh, it's obviously supposed to be splitting the difference somewhat between the 600 and 800 series. I believe this will probably end up being, so there was already a division inside the 600 series chipsets where half or, or, or the lower section used uh, off-the-shelf ARM Cortex parts and the upper side of the 600 series used the kind of semi-custom cryo CPU cores. My guess would be that that's what they're going to do here is they're just going to make the 700 series be the ones that have the semi-custom chips in it. But they go into it and they say these are going to be, you know, new processor designs for the ISP and for the GPU, the Adreno GPU and all that. Um, So I imagine what we're going to see is some of the Snapdragon 845 hardware shrunk down or cut down at least a little bit um, to make sure there is some kind of performance deviation. Um, but uh, they've, they've kind of stated that this is going to be something to address a lot of the Chinese markets as well that need lower cost devices than, uh, than we're willing to absorb over here. Absorb, I guess that's a good term for that, over here in North mm-hmm. America. Um, uh, so we'll see about that. No idea what the LTE speed might be on there. So I think that's our, the roundup of uh, our Mobile World Congress updates. I feel like there's something else that I was going to talk about this week that I'm forgetting, but GPU market share. Yeah, 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 there you go. I think I have a story going on up this tomorrow, but uh, maybe we'll just save it for next week because I don't remember the numbers. AMD <laughs> gained 8% market share in Was Q4. Was it 8 or 6? 8. 8. Okay. Something like that. 6 or 8%. It's significant for a one-quarter increase, um, but uh, I think a lot of that is uh, – uh, it was 6% of the sales were – were attributed to crypto coin, crypto mining. mining. That's what it was. And yeah. AMD's increase, which was is the 8%. weirdest stat of all out of that JPR thing. It, it feels like that should be bigger, but at yeah. the same time, it Tracking does absorb that, the overstock. We, we were just, saying the same thing. Like, yeah. how, how would they even get that metric? And you know, because plenty of people that are mining just bought their GPUs at like Micro Center or whatever. So how do you tell? Yeah. I mean, Mike, I don't, actually, I do not know the answer how you get that. Uh, I, I imagine a lot of it is you, you talk to your buddies and friends at these 
you know, the board partners and you try to get a f- f- sense for how many did you ship to Newegg versus how many did you ship to crypto miners directly, right? And then once you get into that Newegg audience, it's, it's more difficult. Yeah, right. Um, and I'm pretty sure that, these guys, that JPR has panels. So they'll have tech enthusiasts that are a member of a panel and they'll ask and find out that, yeah, of the 6,000 people that we surveyed, about oh, 6% yeah. flat out said, yeah, I bought it primarily for crypto mining. It was an interesting discussion I had with somebody today about it because I think part of it is you're probably looking at some stuff like Steam surveys and seeing how many new mm-hmm. GPUs are coming online, right? Because a guy who buys 20 for mining isn't installing Steam on all those machines. But it also makes it impossible then to track the person who is both gaming and mining, right? Yeah. Because now right. you just attribute them to a gamer, which I think actually makes sense, Um it was also complicated by the fact that there was a huge influx of GPUs, especially in China, that installed Steam for the first time ever recently because of PUBG yeah. that were not counted <laughs> yeah. before, even though those were GPUs that had been sold well That's previous. Right? The hardware stats were flooded in the past were six they? months with new Chinese users who had never, never had Steam accounts. Yeah. So I, I don't know how you balance all that. I'm glad I don't have to do that because that's – you're basically doing educated guessing as highly educated as you can get it. Um, but regardless, in terms of just raw sales, AMD went up eight points, which six or eight points, which means Nvidia had to go down six or eight points, which is not great for anybody. Uh, well, it's great for AMD. It's not great for Nvidia, I should say. Uh, however, with all the rumored upcoming releases, right, that that Nvidia will have another GPU coming out end of March timeframe. You know, while they do GDC or GTC or something, will that switch back? It all depends on if there's inventory allotment for that. But none of this is getting easier. No, no, I, I don't think buying a card as a gamer is going to get easier with that release. But it may mean that, like, hey, miners will stop buying the AMD cards and start buying the NVIDIA cards if they're if N- NVIDIA had been building up stock and they'd make it easier to find at first or whatever it happens to be. So. It's still going to be a really complicated issue, uh, but I think we'll talk about that more uh, next week as well. So let's get into our hardware software picks of the week. Mine has been sitting on this desk the whole time in secret. In plain sight. It's, it's a case. It's allowed to be a secret. Uh, let me see if I can get it. You hear it? Silent. <laughs> it's so quiet. <laughs> uh, this is the... Uh, this is... One out of a three-pack of the Corsair ML120 Pro RGB LEDs. So the fan blades are white, not because they decided not to use a a colored plastic, but instead the LEDs, it helps – it basically diffuses diffuses the light. light. So you get what looks like But where are the LEDs? Uh, They're in the ring. Are they inside the ring around – I think they're on the other side of the fan. Oh, okay. Maybe. I think they're I inside the. I think they're inside yeah. this. That, that's the innovation. Is they're like inside the blade it, itself, right? Uh, I don't think they're inside the blade. They're inside the motor housing. No, they're hub mounted. Or hub mounted RGB LEDs. Yeah. Like oh, in- I see them. I see them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. So they're just diffuse. These are maglev. You can show the site up here now. Um, they're also. It's where friction meets reality. There we go. Oh, they're we also go. expensive. Um, Pretty really expensive. What? Three of them. That's for three That's of for them. Three. For 120 bucks. And yeah, it, and a dollar com- per millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But divided by three. 33 cents per millimeter. It also comes with a fan right, controller. Uh, and I'll play this video so we can get a little bit of, a, of an idea of what they look like. 
Um, they're actually really cool in person because they blend together the color more than any other RGB yeah, thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it doesn't look like uh, a fixed They're very LED. well diffused. Yeah. Well, not in that one. Which, I, which is, you know, the benefit of that that uh, milk jug coloring to the fan blade itself. So you can see a video with our buddy Harry there uh, talking about the fans and the maglev uh, and the color shift. Obviously, you can control all this in software. Like I said, they are really expensive, um, but in terms of noise levels... And reliability, the maglev should help on that. Let's see, 400 to 1600 RPM PWM control, 25 dBA max. Pretty quiet. At, uh, at peak performance. Um, you are going to pay. You're going to pay for them. And they're yeah, th- Individually, they're 35, they're 35 bucks a piece. They're 35 bucks a piece, where you get a three-pack with a controller for $120. Now, obviously, that's a steep build. But, hey, you can't afford to buy video cards anyway. So what are you going to do with that money? Yeah, just spend the money on that. Case buy an fans. APU and yeah. some RGB case fans. Yeah, get yeah. an APU. Put a, get a mini ITX, but buy a full ATX case so you can fill it with case <laughs> fans on the side panels and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they do sell them in 140 millimeter as well. To those so. of the $140 for the set? I didn't look into it. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I only got sent the, the 120 mils. So, um, got to go by Jeremy's scale. That's a dollar per millimeter, you know. Well, that's, I mean, that seems reasonable. Like I said, you can't in buy a GPU. World? You can't buy a GPU. Look, we sell $200 keyboards. We sell $500 power supplies. Just make all the things more expensive. I think $35 case fans is just a price of doing business. I thought this computer stuff was supposed to get cheaper. No. Whatever as told it, you that? As it becomes niche, it becomes more expensive. I guess. Right? Well, guess. How, how cheap can you get an RPI now? I said a computer, though. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, still a computer. Yeah, well, Real my, my watch is also a computer. Are becoming so Real niche. computer. Yeah, they are. Uh, all right, who who is next? Why won't this switch? Oh, oh, now it's computer. Uh, Alan. Let's see. We got Alan up here next. So if you're, uh, you might find Amazon Basics cables for cheap, or like you know, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. What's the other uh, monoprice cables for cheap mm-hmm. and stuff? Those guys only go for like the the main common yeah, like normal cables, the normal ones. They the, make them cheap. The normal cables, but they're normal be. kind of cables, right? You might need you know some oddball kind of cables, okay? But you also want them for cheap. Just tell me what you're getting at here. Just I'm whatever, concerned. basically. So if you're looking for any, pretty much any kind of cable, I'm not seeing anything too weird here. That looks safe, whatever that is right there. <laughs> yeah, that thing. So that so that puts two, two outlets. Two plugs, one outlet. That puts two two girls, one cup. That puts oh, two. That puts that's two outlets. Joke. You have to go back to that thing, Ryan. I that's, don't know if I can. It is. It's yeah, two, it's it, well, it's two males and a female. It, to be it, honest, it puts two outlets at the end of a standard uh, like PC power supply cable. Like that would plug Why into that. Why the hell would you do? I don't know, but they have it. <laughs> Okay. All right. But they have all sorts of, you know, and they'll they like, have uh, standing desks. All right. No. Sure. I no, guess. these are just desks. Sorry. But they'll tend to have any possible type of cable, and then you drill down, and they can make them in custom sizes for you. And the prices are like mono price ish kind of prices. So, you know, it's it's handy. Ooh, it's a handy place to. Six. It's a handy place to look if you're looking for. All right, now, I want to cable. shame you. What cables did you buy? I, I didn't actually, uh, but I was like Ryan today, wandering nice. around the office looking for a pick of the week. Plug adapters. Yeah, I mean they do actually have like a lot of different 
interesting, you know, kind of adapters there that I hadn't cat seen five, anywhere else. Six you couplers. should definitely buy a bunch of cat six couplers. That's exactly how you should wire your office. <laughs> eh, I can't find any S video to HDMI. This sucks. <laughs> you got the old classic USB 2.0 A mail to B oh, mail. Do they have A to A cables? Probably. probably. I would imagine they have A to A cables. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. Well, that's not how you do that. No. USB. There's a giant dump do they have in the, the uh, Arizona desert that is just filled uh, with. Oh, you two. What is it with every freaking podcast? You two. Oh, they have timing. It. it was the third one. There you go. Is hey, that hey, it? Hey. That cable shouldn't exist. See, and it's only like it's less than four bucks. A deal for connecting your Why post- it to any peripheral device. There was something we needed that for at one point. I forgot what it was. Yeah, I don't remember. Some people what? are bad at making electronics, and they make them do this. Yeah. <laughs> Why, Why yes. would you do that? I don't know. I think it's if you... Well, I mean, couldn't you... Didn't they do this for, like, data transfer between two pieces? Well, you had to have logic in the PCs? middle, though. Yeah, it had a logic box. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was but an it A to needed, A. But, but I mean, in theory, no. you could just do A to A. No. Yeah. 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 So no. USB no. 3.0 cable? No? You need... Uh, you can't go host to host like that. You, you need, like, a controller in the middle that switches. Say again? You need, like, a controller It needs a crossover. Yeah. The hell! All right. Uh, okay. What's this called again? You never said the name of it. SF Cable. SF Cable. San, San Francisco, Francisco cable. cable. Got it. All right. Switch com. off this so I can find the next one here. Uh, Jeremy, you are up next. So, got a little <laughs> story here. Uh, they were too cheap to put a card lock on my new server room, so they put some Medico M3 locks on there. And I was in and out of it all weekend and everything until Monday when the user showed up and all of a sudden the key stopped working. Okay. As in all the keys we had, the master key of the building, everything. You could not turn it. Just go home. Uh, Well, I mean, that was one thing. I I decided to sort of look up, oh, how do you get into one? And suddenly realized that Medico high security locks are not high security in any way, (laughs) shape, or form. Because if you just cut a credit card with enough stiffness into the same shape and angles as the key, you can get in. Why why a credit card? But wait a minute. So you had the key. But this is the problem. It didn't actually work because, of course, the key doesn't work, so the fake key won't. So I learned about this thing that I'm putting into the chat because Ryan may or may not want this on his website. Oh, dear. Uh, It's from Amazon. I mean, you're allowed to buy it. But I learned about how you open these incredibly high security key card <laughs> oh locked oh, doors is it just a with what hole? is essentially no. a bloody long ass no. hanger it's a, with a piece of wire. It's on. a hanger and a piece of string. I mean, and, and I watched with like <laughs> what the speechless as this high security thing, which I'd already broken and proven to be pickable with a bloody curved credit card, was opened with. A hanger and a piece of wire. So you observed this by the very expensive locksmith we, that came out, I assume? Uh, yeah, well, the building had to deal with that locksmith because the building made us replace that key in the middle of our build-out. Wow. Because it wasn't matching the building's high standards of security. So what's the, was the original issue that they just ordered the wrong keys or something? Uh, oh, no, I was in and out all weekend. So I, And I went and chatted with the guy, and he's like, well... There, there's some interesting little cylinders in there. So instead of just being a straight up and down cylinder, some of them are on an angle. Okay. And in order to be held on an angle, 
there is a little uh, sort of a wedge-shaped piece in there which can rotate. And so one of them had rotated out of true and one of the cylinders would no longer move up or down. And it just messed up the whole, like, nobody could... Uh, the whole bloody lock. Okay. Which I can now defeat any time I bloody well feel like it if I can find a coat hanger and a piece of wire. <laughs> <laughs> it looked to me like a really long paper clip, personally. Uh, no, it is about uh, two and a half, three foot long. Like, it's got to reach from the... You go underneath the door and up to the door handle. Right, so it's got to be long enough that it reaches well, where the door handle. That's what that's doing. It's just that's literally just all the it door. does. <laughs> oh. So when you're rekeying anything important, that's great. I might not recommend the medicos. Find something different. Wow, duct tape. Yeah, more right. effective. Josh, you're last. Me. What do you you know what? If 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 the price of that TSPC is too much. And I've done this, I think, two years ago. Uh, the TX went back down in price to about 308 It's a little bit less, depending on where you go. Uh, this was my first wheel that uh, really got me into racing. It's a pretty good quality feeling unit. I was with and the again, pedals. you get the whole thing for 308 rather than 499 It's the whole thing at once. Hopefully like, it doesn't catch yes. on fire like real 458s. Yeah. Did. No. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Uh, you know, whatever. This car's on fire. It's a, it's a Ferrari Forfait Italia edition because, as opposed to the German or the <laughs> Portuguese edition, I guess. Sure. Indeed. All right, everybody. That is going to wrap up the episode. Again, uh, reminder pcpro.com slash podcast is where you can find all the back episodes and links to the stories we talked about, RSS feeds, all that stuff. And of course, uh, before we get our short URL, you can get in early in the bottom, in the uh, in the first round at teespring.com slash stores slash pcper. You can buy some uh, some t-shirts and or a mug there if you want. So that's an option as well. Oh, so, we need a oh. mug with Josh's mug. Oh, gosh. Josh's me. mug that's, mug? That's... Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, man. We should do that. That's, okay. So we Josh, got, we're going to need a photo. We're, we're probably going to need a picture from Josh Tech for that to happen. No, well, I don't let they'll let us print that on mugs. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Nothing wrong with that. Want to make an NSFW mug? Is that what you're going for? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week, I believe. No issues? I'm thinking through. Yeah, oh, I think hopefully. we'll be good. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks.